When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hot D, the officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. We're here to do a season one preview for the brand new series, House of the Dragon. Uh, Aaron, we got a lot to talk about today. I know that you've seen the premiere already, and I don't want to get into spoilers, but I will at some point ask you your opinion on it. You went out to L.A. to see this thing. I did. I got all I got all cleaned up and and fancy and attended the world premiere. And I got I was lucky enough to see the the first episode uh, a couple weeks ago. Now Uh, I've only seen it once. I haven't got access screeners to see it again. Um, But uh, I I've thought and talked about it a lot, and I I hope to be able to answer all those questions. Yeah, there is actually a podcast out with you kind of talking about it right now um, over in the. Well, this feed actually, yeah. uh, but it's titled Tyrion Eleven, so you gotta you gotta do a little digging for it. Um, so go back to this back. feed, and you'll find that if you want a lot of uh, discussion about g- general feelings on the episode, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't get into spoilers. No, but um, I, I don't know how much of that we're going to cover today. But I do want to mention it for people who are interested. Uh, I also want to mention a few other things before we get started here. Our intro theme. You might be thinking, hmm, that sounds a lot like the Game of Thrones theme that they had before. You're 100% right. It is the exact same music. Uh, We'll probably be using that until we see the show come up with a consistent theme. Because, I mean, how do you you guess? I mean, this this is based on the theme from Game of Thrones. We want to do the same for House of the Dragon if we can. uh, But there's no theme yet. So we'll be updating that pretty soon. Yeah, in fact, uh, and, and this could be because it was not finished, but if I recall correctly, there wasn't an opening theme to the premiere episode of season one, which okay. I think is the same as as the original Game of Thrones. I can't remember that pilot episode. It's been so long since I've seen it. I can't remember if it had a uh, uh, the, the distinctive credit sequence. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it'll eventually get one. But, you know, the other thing is, is like... Uh, the uh, uh, Highway Superstars 80s TV remix is a banger of the yes. Game of Thrones theme. So, like, I honestly wouldn't be angry if we had to keep it the whole season, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I would like to update it. Maybe we can talk with him and see if he wants to do an updated version. Uh, we do anyway. have. Uh, I also want to talk about we do have we do have fresh cover art. Um, I'm not sure yes. if the final version will be ready by the time you're hearing this, but hopefully, when the series actually deploys this weekend, we uh, um, we hired Chase Stone, who's a very talented Magic the Gathering artist, and he also did a lot of artwork for official George Martin products like the World of, uh, of Ice and Fire. Uh, and he did a lot of custom art for me and uh, Maester Anthony's book, The Gods of God, Gods of Thrones. 
um and uh, he's he's come to do a new it's it's the concept is jim is sitting on the iron throne and i'm his one of his king's guard probably the lord commander i don't know do i think that much of myself sure uh sure look if i can be king you can be lord commander <laughs> for god's and, sake and he's uh, yeah i'm the one forsaking all my titles and heirs here mm-hmm. and uh he's looking imperious from the throne uh i think it looks amazing i think it's going to be it's it's super cool uh, yeah. and it's going to be very eye-catching. I can't wait for you guys to see the final version. So we're spiffing, spiffing things up. We're very excited for this hot D. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, everybody knows there are some reasons to be concerned uh, about the Game of Thrones franchise based on how the last iteration went, but I, I'm freshly excited for this show to come out. I've seen the the trailer, obviously, and that trailer looks pretty awesome. It looks like yeah. we're we're kind of resetting the board back to the beginning of game of thrones we don't have all that baggage right we're 200 mm-hmm. years in the past none mm-hmm. of that stuff really matters uh let's start fresh and see where it takes us speaking yeah. of seeing where it takes us let's go over to talk a little bit about our plans for coverage for this episode where where are we sure. taking that well our plan is uh, if you're familiar with our game of thrones podcast of yore it's going to be very familiar we're going to on the night of the episode dropping uh you know when it concludes 10 or 15 enough time to get everybody time to use the bathroom get a drink and for us to hustle off to the microphones we're going to be doing an instant take podcast which will be available for everyone but for club members and you can join the club at support.baldmove.com you can watch us record that live and join in on the instant talk portion of that podcast, which is the second half that that we don't give away for free. And that's where you can use the chat interface to ask questions, make comments, advance your own theories. And we will consider as many as that we have time for until the Peter's out. Uh, so that's that will be what kicks off each week's coverage. On Tuesday, we will have the, the typical bald move deep dive full recap and analysis podcast where, you know, we, we try to get as much information uh, about the show, like both artistically, thematically, plot wise, uh, try to answer as many questions and bring in, bring in a lot of different viewpoints into that. And then later in the week, Thursday, we will have a feedback section that you can participate by sending email to hot D at baldmove.com. And uh, now the one thing you might be like, what about a spoiler? Okay, Uh, classic Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones fans will know that I used to host a special uh, segment where I would do uh, talk about essentially book implication emails and talk about different, you know, pet uh, pet favorite or I guess pet theories uh, uh, like, you know, different conspiracy theories that people were trying to, you know, build from the books. I don't know how much of that I'm going to do this year. I do have a spoiler segment that's going to debut this Sunday night. Uh, I interviewed Kim Renfro, who's also seen the first episode. There's a little bit of uh, a lore shakeup that we're that, that that you're going to find out about that we do a deep dive on, and I highly recommend that for people who are in you know all the spoiler stuff. If you just care about the show, you can safely skip. But the fact of the matter is, Fire and Blood. Uh, has the rough outline for this entire series. I'm mm-hmm. sure there'll be deviations. Um, I'm sure there'll be changes. 
but you are going to roughly know if, if you've kept up with Targaryen lore in his short stories like the princess and the queen and the rogue prince, which later became fleshed out and added to that fire and blood history. There's not going to be a lot of like genuine surprises in the terms of plot mechanics. So I, 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 I reserve the right to do more spoilers. Uh, it's just I'm not going to do them every week. It's going to be like when there's something big that comes up, when there's an aha moment, when it seems like there's connections from this series, possible connections this series to Game of Thrones and beyond, uh, then then we'll bring it back. But three podcasts a week, not too shabby. Yeah. Um, and that's actually on top of what Maester Anthony, who you might be familiar with if you've checked out any of the Electric Boogaloo stuff that's been on this feed, is going to be doing on Wednesdays. He's going to uh, drop his stuff over on the Double Dragon feed. So Bald Move is going to be brimming with House of the Dragon coverage uh, yeah. throughout its entire run. And and thanks to Maester Anthony for keeping her throne uh, warm and the mm-hmm. long hiatus between Game of Thrones and this. You you might recognize him as being my writing partner. We wrote The Gods of Thrones uh, Volume 1 and 2 together, which is an expo- exploration of the religions and the real-life uh, religious inspirations of uh, Westeros and The Song of Ice and Fire. And uh, yeah, he's been he's he's got some fantastic. He's been doing a chapter by chapter dissection of Game of Thrones and bringing in uh, historians and medievalists and r- religious experts and people they're experts on Dothraki languages to add. But he's so he's he's going to be a good partner and he'll be joining us at least for one segment a week on the feedback section, the Maester's Corner, where we're going to together tackle some kind of uh, more steeped in lore or theory impactful uh, piece of feedback. Yeah, and we might have some more fun stuff coming up to announce later. Uh, some stuff True. in the works that, that who knows where that'll go. True. Um, so yeah, if you want to get you know in on our Sunday night live stream coverage, you can go to support.baldmove.com uh, and click over to our Patreon account to find out how to do all that. But everybody else is going to get everything, tons of content. Um, so we hope you enjoy that. Okay, Aaron, we've got a lot of talk about. Um, in regards to what we expect to see coming up in uh, the show. Where do you want to start with that? Uh, you mentioned you had questions for me. Um, I do. Do you want to start in on that, and then we'll see where we branch off from there? Yeah, I, I guess like the overarching question here or theme for these questions is, what do I need to know about the world before watching this first episode? Is there any like background information that's going to be helpful, but not spoil anything. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I, I've got a couple of notes here on this. This is something that I got a lot on social media and email people saying, Hey, I hope you guys do some sort of, uh, you know, roundup for us that are only game of Thrones watchers, you know, like how much do we need yeah. to know? Like are, are Starks and Lannisters still going to be a thing <laughs> Are all the castles in the same places are still a wall. Like what's going on? Um, will everybody's house sigil be the same? Um, is this going to be recognizably Westeros? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is a resounding yes with a quieter no, which I'll, well, I'll, we'll, we'll get into because Westeros is still Westeros, you know? Yeah. This is going to, you know, we're going to start off uh, examining the reign of King Viserys, which is not like the douchebag brother of, da- of Daenerys. Uh, this is the, the OG King Viserys one. Um, Who's a father of the one 
and a husband of another of the two queens that is essentially going to be at the center of the Dance of Dragons. This is this big Targaryen civil war that's going to consume Westeros and fundamentally change the Targaryens forever. Put them on the path to eventual extinction that we saw, you know, post uh, the Roberts Rebellion that we're familiar with from a Game of Thrones. And so, yeah, surprise, Westeros is surprise. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, this is all about who's going to take over the throne, right? Yes. Big surprise. It is still very much a Game of Thrones, even yeah. though it's a house. It's it's contained within the House of Dragons. Um, so now this is also just two, like we've, we mentioned before, this is just 200 years before the events of season one of Game of Thrones. This isn't like the long night. This isn't something that happened in antiquity. Uh, this isn't something shrouded in mystery. This is stuff that we have well attested accounts from maesters. Um, there, there's not a lot of it. So, so it's, it's most of the locations, like there is a King's Landing. There is a wall. It's still there. There's a Winterfell. A Stark is sitting in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all, all that stuff will be familiar um you know like and, and they're immediately recognizable like when you see king's landing for the first time uh you might see a couple additional buildings you don't reckon like the the dragon uh pits are no longer a oh, ruin yeah. because yeah. they're 200 years and they're full of dragons and that's going to be exciting but like when you see king's landing you're like oh, hot damn that's king's landing mm-hmm. there's another location the ruins of Hall. that was the first yeah. castle that got laid the waste by Aegon. when you'll see them and you're going to like hot oh, fuck yeah that's that's Hall. so i think you'll instantly be familiar with the geography and then there's a lot of institutions like the king's guard uh, the gold cloaks, you know, the King's Landing kind of police force, the maesters. Mm-hmm. You're going to see those guys. I see that dude in the gray, the gray burlap dress, and he's got a funny chain around his neck. That there's a maester. Uh, and that dude mm-hmm. in the, the cool white armor is very much a Kingsguard. Um, and, and they're not only immediately recognizable, but they're also, I think, distinctly cool. Um, I compare it to like, do you know, like Captain, how Captain America looked like in the first Avengers movie? And then, like, the way his armor looks in, like, uh, Civil War or uh, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And it's a little bit, you know, the Avengers is a little bit more of a streamlined look, a little goofier. And, you know, it's a lot more rugged and realist. I think the Kingsguard has gone through a similar transformation. Uh, yeah. I immediately mean, recognizable, but very cool. They're spending a reported $20 million per episode on this. And based on that trailer, it shows. Like, I... It, it, look, Game of Thrones always had great production values, but I think not they always. Really up but the game. <laughs> well, sure, some of the CGI was yeah. a little shaky from time to time. I think they fixed that problem based on the CGI I saw in that trailer and the the way they've grounded you in a location and in this world with its production design is incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Oh, and I, I agree. It looks like you can see all the dollars, and like if you go back and watch the first, especially season of Game of Thrones. It, it's it's never a cheap show, but it definitely right. looked cheaper than it eventually gets. And we're going to come yeah. back to Hot D and the, the, the yeah, it's firing on all the cylinders. Um, it looks amazing. And you're certainly going to hear names that you'll you'll recognize, like the Stark and, and Lannisters, especially the Baratheons. Um, but in the early goings of this series, I don't expect these houses that were big players in you know, the Danny and John timeline to be big players now, primarily because the Darkarians have had a century to consolidate their power and intermarry and spread peace and unity by sword and dragon and, and marriage alliance. And they're just going to suck all the oxygen out of the room. They are the supreme rulers sure. of Westeros. 
Um, instead, we'll get to know other houses that are more central to this plot, like the High Towers in particular, out of Old Town, which you may remember is the seat of the Maester's power in Westeros. Um, the Citadel is in high, is in Old Town. Uh, their seat is the High Tower, which is a combination fortress and massive lighthouse that keeps this burning beacon on top to guide mariners to its harbors. Uh, they're one of the oldest and proudest of the houses in Westeros, and we didn't get to know them very well during Game of Thrones. We barely got to see the city when Sam and Gilly visited. Uh, they're going to be a big, big, big uh, power brokers because um, their the, their their head is serving as the hand of the king at the time mm-hmm. that we begin. Um, but others, I, I, I've read fire and blood uh, a couple times now, and you're definitely going to see some of those older houses, uh, become more prominent players in the grand uh, sweep of time. So, uh, I, in fact, I, I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to like, talk about the, the state of the board as we yeah. go into this first episode, like what that is the backstory? What, what houses do I need to know? How do they connect to each yeah. other? All that stuff. And none of this is spoilers. I, I find it, I, I find it very probable that they're going to find ways to work some of this material into the series going forward. But like none of this is spoilers. It's all essentially uh, pre pre the series happening. So as we mentioned, this is going to start off with King Viserys the uh, first, who's played by Patty Considine, uh, and he comes to the throne via disputed inheritance because his brother, who was the old king uh, Jaehaerys indisputed and undisputed heir died shortly before his father because his father lived so fucking long uh they don't come the old king for nothing <laughs> so they they settled this hash at a big grand council that they called and uh they settled on um Viserys as being the the new heir and we're going to talk about the 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 fallout of that here in a bit now Viserys is um a pretty good king he rode Balerion the Black Dread, which you'll recall is the the, the big dragon mm-hmm. that uh, Aegon came and whipped all of Westeros' ass. But at this point, Balerion uh, is old. And about a year or two after uh, he swung his leg over him, he just died of old age. Damn. And Viserys never, never uh, chose another dragon to ride because, you know, where are you going to go from, from Balerion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his... Wife, the queen, is Queen Ama, played by Cian Brook, uh, which is his cousin. You'll you'll know uh, this is Game of Thrones. Lots of incest, especially <laughs> with the Targaryens. They love marrying brother, oh, sister, boy. cousin to cousin, mother to son, son. It's 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 all crazy, but they're in the blood of the dragon, so I guess it's okay. Uh and their marriage marriage has been marked by sadness because the queen, unfortunately, has just been beset by trouble giving birth. She's delivered a male heir that was stillborn, several daughters that didn't make it out of the womb, unfortunately. Um, and this has been a source of, of, of despair and worry for the king and queen for a long time. But as we join the story, they have had one successful child, uh, a, a preteen to early teen daughter. Um, Rhaenyra, who is known as the Realm's Delight, and they dote over this daughter. She serves as a, her father's cupbearer uh, and is privy to a lot of the the, the, the goings-on in state. Uh, she rides the dragon Cyrex, who has yellow scales. Um, Rhaenyra is uh, played by two actors, Millie Alcock and Emma D'Arcy. Millie is the younger version. Uh, Emma is going to be eventually the, the Dance of Dragons era queen. Um, and this is the dragon. This the Cyrax is the, the the dragon with yellowish scales that you see glowering behind Millie Alcock and all the show posters. You know, it's a big, large, established dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The reign of Assyrius is considered the apex of Targaryen power. There's never been in Westeros more lords and princes with the blood of the dragons flowing through their veins. They've had time to make key marriage alliances to nearly every other great house. There's also more dragons than ever. They've had a successful breeding program. The dragons are producing so many eggs, it's become customary for every Targaryen to put one in the crib of their newborn babe Mm -hmm. to ensure that the hatchling and the new babe form an effortless dragon riding pair. How about some omelets? Can we get some dragon egg omelets? Going? There, there might be enough. There might be enough left over to make omelets uh, <laughs> right. for select for select uh, kings and queens. Um, Viserys is very well liked. He's wealthy from his father's very long and peaceful rule. He's by nature a very generous man, which only tended to increase his popularity. There's a lot. There's, so there's a lot of things going for the Targaryens, but there's also some downsides. It's been at least a generation, if not two, who's seen war in Westeros which means there's legions of knights and lords who don't know the horrors of battle, but are nevertheless itching for the glory of battle mm-hmm. and perhaps to settle some slights and some scores, some bad, like in the Godfather, you know, every, every couple of years you got to, you got to do a war. You got to go to the mattresses or the blood gets to be too bad. Yep. Well, take up some hobbies. Know. Come on. What are we, what are we doing? Uh, and there's also a lot of bitter, bitterness and rivalry. Prince, uh, um, uh, chief amongst this is princess, uh, Rainus, who rides uh, Malays, I think is how you pronounce it, the the Red Queen. She's played by Eve Best, and her husband Corlys Valerian. He is the striking gentleman with the silver dreadlocks that you might have seen. He's known as the Sea Snake. He's essentially a Han Solo type, and so, except for the Millennium Falcon, he sails on on sailing ships. It's the Bronze type, if you were to compare him to a Game of Thrones yeah. character. Yeah. Okay. Not maybe not that roguish a little bit, um, but gotcha. but you're you're on. He's he's definitely got that kind of that that pirate swagger to him, and uh, his wife uh, Rainus was passed over by that great council we talked about. She was the heir, uh, a parent, but the realm decided the last minute. You know what? Just don't want a woman a woman on the throne, so they bypassed yeah. her for for Viserys which is a source of consternation. And the um, the Valerians are a, a powerful house in their own right. They're very close cousins to the Targaryens. They actually came to Westeros slightly before the Targaryens did. And they're, they're long-term allies. Uh, the Targaryens rule the, uh, the skies with their dragons, and the Valerians rule the sea with their navy. Um, so there's, there's some bad blood there. Then you got the King's Hand, Otto Hightower. You know, there's this big, powerful, very proud Hightower house. He's played by Reese Ivans or Ivans. Um, and he has been in the position of the hand for very many years. He'd previously been the hand to the old king. As such, he has his hands on every lever of power in the kingdom. Uh, everyone knows it, and the other lords have kind of become envious of his position, the access he has to the king, and these things have made him kind of be a little bit imperious and haughty, which has not also helped his relations uh, with the rest of Westeros. Um, now, Otto has a daughter, Alicent Hightower, who's played as a child by Emily Carey and uh, as a full-grown adult by Olivia Cook, and her and Princess Rhaenyra on the show are going to start off as BFFs before uh, fate uh, forces them into becoming rivals. Okay. Then you got the King's brother, Daemon Targaryen played by 
Matt Smith, which was a big question mark. Uh, I've never seen Matt Smith play a dynamic, heroic, dashing figure because um, I haven't seen a lot of him and I'm not a big uh, a Doctor Who fan, yeah. but he kind of kills it in this role. Uh, this is a the the rogue the rogue prince. He's very charming. He's very roguish. He was a, a knight by 16. The old King Jaehaerys granted him the boon of, you know, there's two great Targaryen swords, uh, Blackfire, which is traditionally held by the king, and Dark Sister, which was wielded by uh, Aegon Targaryen's, the Conqueror's uh, warrior sister. Uh, and he was granted that at a very young age for recognition of his uh, martial prowess. Uh he rides the dragon Caraxes, a powerful red dragon nicknamed the Blood Worm, and he's something of a scoundrel. He considers himself the clear heir to the throne. Um, while he is away from court, he invariably gets himself into trouble, so Otto and the king have schemed the very ma- many ways to try to keep him busy. They try to make him master of the coin, and he almost bankrupts the realm. They make him master of law, but he is not a great student of the law will will take it uh and these were both kind of disasters and political scandals for the king so they decided to make him head of the city watch which at the time is this undermanned underfund kind of shabby police force that can barely hold in check the rising uh, tide of crime in this seedy king's landing and you wonder hmm is that a good idea to give your your roguish mm-hmm. brother control of the, the city's cops we'll see um, and for herself, Rhaenyra never had any pretensions to the throne because they just decided the generation before her that yeah. women can never sit on the throne. Uh, she definitely seen her aunt at court the, the entire time uh, brooding over the fact that she was passed over. Uh, she, so she was never really threatened by her uncle Damon's uh, ambition. In fact, she actually really likes him. Uh, he's known to uh, when he goes and roams to bring her back exotic gifts when he lands in King's Landing on his uh, on his dragon. Uh, and she thinks he's just the coolest uncle ever. And the king Viserys genuinely loves Damon. Because uh, they had happy memories growing up. He remembers this free-spirited and adventurous boy of his youth when maybe he should be looking at the danger of the man uh, and what a, a daemon kingship would, would look like to the realm. But he's ultimately not worried because he and his queen, Emma, are relatively young. And despite their troubles before, the queen is now present or presently pregnant. And he just knows. He just knows it's going to be a boy. And it's going to solve all the bitterness and rivalry. And it's going to sort out the the, the line of succession for all time. Uh, and that is the state of the world as we go into this this first episode of House of the Dragon. Uh, definitely, nice. there's there's a lot going for House Targaryen, but there's a lot of a lot of uh, minefields bubbling underneath the surface too. So I hope that sets the stage. What what other what other questions you got? Well, for me, I know this was a big question I had about Game of Thrones going into it. Um, I'm not the world's biggest fantasy fan, and I liked Game of Thrones despite that. So I'm wondering, aside from dragons, obviously I can handle my dragons now. I've seen Game of Thrones. Um, And more dragons sounds great. How much magic are we talking about um, in this world? Is there still a lot of stuff around the edges? Or I know there's not going to be anything like the the night king or whatever um uh-huh. and, and the the white walkers coming south or anything like that but right are we still looking at some magic in those this world we got the dragons uh sure. they're more creatures than magic and and point. i would say in the early going they're not yeah and, and it does seem like uh even though we know 
from our experience with Game of Thrones that dragons are in some kind of real way tied to the fabric of magic in this world that like uh-huh. as one wanes they kind of both do um, but in early goings I don't think there's a lot it's almost all just naked human drama sometimes yes. involving naked humans yes. it's just naked human drama and political intrigue with the dragons serving as like this is the you know obviously they're the nuclear weapons of the time uh-huh. so uh, I do think that there is they do introduce a character Mysteria. Uh, who is played by shoot? I didn't write her down because it wasn't Sonoya part of my little, who, Yes, who thank you. From uh, a lot of is Alex Garland's works. He yeah, likes Ex Machina. She starred mm-hmm. in Dev. She's fantastic. She plays our going to say a Melisandre esque character. Okay, or will become a Melisandre, kind of a shadowy sorceress. Uh, is it? Is it? But is she real, or is it just built up as a bullshit? Um, mm. But uh, that's we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. Um, but again, I think it's very in the realm of Games of Thrones uh, in terms of, or Game of Thrones rather, in terms of the political intrigue, the human drama, and putting that to the forefront. Okay. Yeah, I've actually heard this story and this is going to sound bad to you because I know you're not a huge fan, but I've heard this described as succession with dragons uh, because it deals largely with the single sure. family, right? A lot of that yeah. drama is around the familial uh, bonds or, or the lack thereof um, in some cases. So I, I don't know people who are into that sort of thing and succession was just on for its third season might come over to this thinking, okay, well let me see that with dragons. No, I can see that. And it's similar to like what I understand in succession. You know, we've seen a couple episodes uh, where, you know, everyone in this family knows they got the blood of the dragon flowing through it. Mm-hmm. Frequently, they are dragon riders themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's in the back of their mind, man, if I was sitting on that throne, things would be better. Sure. And that's uh, that's not a stable configuration for for a realm. Yeah. Um. The, the other thing that might concern some people in this crowd, I know that uh, there are a lot of George Martin fans out there, not just people who've watched the Game of Thrones series, but people who maybe have read the books that these uh, this show is going to be based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that? Fire and Blood? Is that the name? Yeah, of that Fire book? and Fire and Blood is the one. I, I I it I know. I said the the princess and the queen, or the queen and the princess and the the rogue prince were the start of that but it's my understanding those all were subsumed and expanded in the fire and blood uh which is essentially a targaryen history book and written as such it's not narrative so much as it reads like an encyclopedia right and i think that's interesting i did a little bit of digging to try and figure out like how closely these are going to line up with the books um these episodes and i I found some fairly conflicting information in an ign Mm -hmm. interview uh with ryan condal um, who's the showrunner? Who, who was one of the by George Martin? Yeah, uh, Miguel Sapochnik is the other one, right? Um, and he, he's more of a director, which or at least he I, I was hear, on Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's my understanding that the division of power is essentially Ryan Condal is going to be in charge of like the overall in, overarching narrative structure and kind of like mm-hmm. you know the show operation, and Miguel is going to be kind of responsible for everything that happens in front of camera. Not that he's going to direct okay. every episode, although he does direct the pilot, but it's kind of like their division of like in, you know, uh, behind the scenes in front of the camera type. Which is interesting because I haven't uh, really seen anything that Ryan Condal's done in the past. I watched a couple of episodes of Colony, which was his uh, 
television show from 2016. Um, but he wrote Rampage and Hercules and some other stuff. He's going to be doing the Highlander uh, remake, which I think is interesting. Yeah, that's exciting. We've, that's something we've we've long said would be ripe for a, a remake. Right, but um, he actually has a podcast. I forget the name of it, where he talks about mm-hmm. a lot of the production stuff on on House of the Dragon, and uh, it has a lot to say about writing and and creating the show. So I, I think I, I'm hoping he'll be good in the role. But the the stuff that he talked about with IGN um, was interesting because they asked him about that, like how close is it going to be to the book, and he says, "quote We're taking a we're taking more of the approach of playing with the history as it was written." essentially saying that this is the objective truth that happened. So yeah, it's my understanding in fire and blood and the short stories you're talking about. There are a lot of conflicting perspectives. Yes. I think, right. Like accounts of things that are secondhand or thirdhand that maybe people are not there for, or in some cases, eyewitnesses uh, mm-hmm. to it written by second or third parties. Uh, and some of those conflict with each other. And yeah. where, where do you say, you know, this particular account is more valid. Well, he's got kind of a hierarchy that they're going to go through. You know, uh, eyewitness accounts are more valid in that case than than someone who's like, I heard a rumor or hearsay or whatever. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But their, their plan is not to... So, so the idea of the show is not going to be to like show those different conflicting perspectives um, and accounts. It's going to be to define the absolute objective truth, right? What's what the God, what's the God's eye perspective? And and um, came at a discussion. I'm not sure if this comes up on uh, my, my friend Kim Rinfro from the Insider. I'm not, and she's also now the co-host of Cast of Kings with David Chin. Mm-hmm. I, I know she's mentioned this on their preview that they did last week. She mentioned in, in an interview she had with Ryan Condal that he he started to talk about that stuff, and she clarified it's like do you consider this canon and he kind of warbles a well you know that's kind of george's thing but (laughs) you know this is pretty official um because you're you're right fire and blood is written uh in universe by archmaester uh gildan gildane Mm -hmm. and he quotes from you know this is 200 years after fact he quotes from sources like septon uh eustace which seems to be a very reliable source there's also the court fool mushroom that he quotes right. for for more salacious details and a lot of the events will get to a point where G- gildane says well you know eustace says this a mushroom says this and this other maester says this and the woman who is in the bedchambers of the king alleges this and there's all these different spectrums of like possibilities. And it sounds like the show is going to collapse those down to what it considers the truth. Yeah. So if you have like a favorite pet account or whatever of an event, yeah. it might not turn out to play out exactly how you'd like it to. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're, they're for the most part going to try to walk the line between that objective truth and not changing events so much, but then, but then you get to, so, so there's that, another quote which supports that he says but the idea is that in the end the events are the same it's just the why and how they happen the changes as you see the actual history so that's encouraging because I do really care about the why and the how it's it's kind of the number one thing I care about and cared about in Game of Thrones well let me um, let me stop stop there because like Anthony and I did if you search back in the archives or if actually you Google a bald move fire and blood you can quickly find a podcast or we did a, a whole deep dive on this book we did like a four podcast series on it and one of the things we said is that like it's a little dry 
You know, you've got all these people Mm -hmm. and they're all, you know, very similar names and you don't have any faces to go with it and you don't have uh, motivations or uncertain motivations because that's like what what, what, when when you get these different accounts from Mushroom and Eustace and Gildane. Like, well, which one was it? Did the did this person piously reject the uh, the the advances of the suitor, or did they spend the next three days locked up having freaky dragon sex in the towers of the Red Keep, or did she shove this dude out the window and he felt like that goes to the motivation of like why did this person like there there's a rift here, but why was it because there was cheating? Was it because someone's rejected? Was it because like what what is the deal and just seeing the first episode, when I went back and reread the relevant sections of Fire and Blood, I found myself so much more invested because I can just plug in Matt Smith's face for Prince Damon. Sure, I can, sure. you know, like, there, in fact, I'm going to read on Sunday night. There is a single paragraph that's about four sentences long that comprise about four, about, about 15 minutes of the of the pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you're going to see when I read you, it's like, okay, sure. But when you watch those 15 minutes, you're going to be on the edge of your fucking seat. And that is not the experience that you get from fire and blood. And that's why I'm so much more Mm -hmm. excited because they are plugging in those stakes. They are taking, they are plugging in those motivations. They are fleshing out these characters. They're not just, you know, like you can read a history book about Abraham Lincoln and signing the, Mm -hmm. the 13th amendment, or you can watch the movie Lincoln and have a completely different opinion it's the same stuff that's happening, but like, it's just a, I don't know, a more dynamic way to, to tell the story. It's, it's, you're, yeah, you're watching it rather than reading about it hundreds of years later. And it's, it turns out it's a huge difference. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the book sounds like my own personal hell. I, I barely dip my toe into real world history. Right. Uh, right. Dipping my toe into fantastic bullshit history. history is like, <laughs> what am I even doing with my life? But Right. Uh, that's just me. I know a lot of people really enjoy that stuff. Uh, but I, definitely I am excited to see the ways that they flesh out because I'm, I'm a fan of character drama and my God, Game of Thrones brought a lot of character drama. If they can do the same in this show, I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, here's here's the other thing that's maybe slightly conflicting or worrying me about that is. OK. They then go on to ask Ryan Condal could a character who dies in the book survive in the show? And his response was certain events will play out in ways that surprise the audience. If they have read the book, given their understanding of the underpinning of history, does that, does that track with what you know of, of the, the fire and blood book? Is it, is there situations in which characters are dead in one account and not dead in another? I'm trying to think of the the exact thing that um, he might be referring to. I know that like well, he's it's very seemed, cagey about it, right? He's not well, of course, he's not giving a definitive answer, but yeah. And, and it seems like when I was because I read a little bit, I, I didn't just read the Dance of Dragons. I actually went back and read a little bit about the later stages of King Jaehaerys's, you know, long peaceful rule and his his, his uh, relationship with Queen Al- uh, uh, Alyssa, and I. F- then that one paragraph I'm talking about, it seems like they lifted some details from earlier Targaryen history to, you know, so it's not even they're making stuff up. They're just maybe shifting things around. I can't think of one, but like I, I mentioned in that, you know, my description of like, you know, what three different possibilities, some guy got sho- shoved out the window and another, he was exiled. That might be something right. like that. Um, okay. 
And also, like, again, you know, uh, Archmaester Gildane wrote this 200 years after the fact. He mm-hmm. might have gotten a couple things wrong. Uh, but I, and they, I he mentions that how the the even the sources for the book itself are not reliable. Right. And the other thing is, you got to keep in mind is that George Martin is very involved with this. Like at the beginning, it made it seem yeah. like he was keeping an arm's length at the production. But from what I've heard, he has been very uh, present and voluminous in his contributions and like putting his thumb on the scale towards different options that. So, I mean, he's if, if do there's something other than finish wins of winter, right? <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> he's running out of running out of excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, I'm going to be keeping up and reading along with fire and blood. You know, I've refreshed myself and I'm going to each each week kind of try to keep up and look for differences. Uh, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't blow my hair back if there's you know, a King's guard that lives versus dies or somebody, but I can't imagine they're going to change the, the thing, the things like at the, the very top, the big events. you know? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the events that the show is founded on, uh, it, yeah, you'd be crazy to change those. Cause a, they're super right. cool, right? Like yeah. big developments that you want to see, but then, yeah, I mean, book fans would be all over you if you did that. So, yeah. And George Martin probably would too. I know he, you know, he's, a fan of his own works as much as anybody. So he's probably going to be there guiding this saying, nah, you can't do that. You can't change this too much. There was, (laughs) there was a discrepancy in like the lineage of one of the Kings that he came Mm -hmm. back in this show and said, I want to fucking see this corrected Mm -hmm. because they shortcutted this in game of Thrones and I'm pissed off about it. So he is very much a stickler for you're going to do this the way that I intended it to be. Yeah, no, he's very gardener in that way. The, you know, we talk about the gardener versus architect, uh, architect, the storyteller type. And, you know, he goes to he goes to the trouble of making all these damn exhaustive family trees. Like if you go to mm-hmm. any tar- fucking Targaryen on the Westerosi Wikipedia, you will see six generations deep, at least of a family tree for every one of these people. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, if he's if he's done the work, why not? Why not make sure that people follow it? Sure. I don't know why he just went hands off on the double D's there at the end. That's, but I, I, that's, that's old business. I don't want to, I don't want to open that back up. Sure. Uh, So that's about all I had uh, as far as questions for the setup um, and, you know, how close this is going to be to what we already have in the canon. Mm Mm-hmm. You have anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I got a couple other just random observations since I haven't made them on, you know, the officially unofficial podcast. Um, I was a little surprised to see how much Game of Thrones this was like, you know, uh, when I think about especially the early goings of Game of Thrones, it was defined by just amazing amount of blood mm-hmm. and dismemberments and also a healthy amount of sex mm-hmm. and sex position. And I don't know if this will be throughout the whole season, but this first episode is definitely letting you know that this is Game of Fucking Thrones, baby. There is going to be titties and ass and dong flopping around. There is going to be horrific dismemberments and people being run through with swords. There was this uh, controversial article with Miguel Sapochnik that um, I I think Kim Renfro talked about on our show with Dave this week where he seemed to be implying that there was going to be perhaps a lot or they weren't going to be shying away from sexual violence on the show, which has been something that was uh, 
always been controversial in Game of Thrones, you know, versus, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, do you want to make a realistic medieval world or do you, you know, it's like, or is that a fantasy and maybe we shouldn't lean into the things that are still, it's like, you know, people aren't getting attacked by dragons. Friday and a lot of dragon Larry that's trauma in today's society. But, you know, sexual violence is a big part of people's lives, unfortunately. And which way do you want to lean into? Um, I don't. Uh, and, and I think they since clarified that there is at least in season yeah. one, no sexualized violence. Um, I saw that. But I will caution women or people who love women which I hope was all of us, that there is some harrowing shit in this first hour, some difficult to watch stuff, especially if you're concerned with women's agency over their own bodies, ability to make their own reproductive choices. Uh, you might want to steal yourself a bit because there's some some harrowing stuff. And, and, and then we don't get off easy in this series either. There's a scene very early in the premiere that I can't wait to discuss you about that's going to that's going to make some some people squeam. Probably my biggest <laughs> okay. uh, problem with the episode, actually. Um, hmm. but we'll talk about that on Sunday night. But it's all very George Martin in the way that he's sometimes gross. Uh, the show is gross in, 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 in that way. Uh and, and I think they really, the, the big challenge is, could they get us to care about the central figures, Princess Rhaenyra, Alicent Hightower, that are so central to the story, and they did. Mm-hmm. Like, I have clear okay. thoughts on, and, and I'm, I've, I'm starting to develop some rooting interests, and I think they did a really good job with that. Miguel Sapochnik has not forgot how to shoot action. There's a lot <laughs> of thrilling action sequences in the early goings of wow. the series. All right. I, I, I do have questions, like the way they're telling the story, and this is something going back to the very beginning of our previews. Like you've got the split timeline mm-hmm. of like Viserys and when he's still a king and his daughter's young and she's palling around the Alicent high tower. And then at some point they're going to have to tell the story of, you know, the, 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 the princess and the queen where the reds and the, 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 the blacks and the greens are against each other. And they, they go from friends to rivals. How are they, how are they going to handle those time jumps? Um, how how are they going to structure the show? And the other thing is there is an instance of what I have described in social media and other places as high Martin heresy. Mm-hmm. There is a significant impact in the first episode to what my understanding of the lore was. Um, mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I've got a special, I think, 30 minute podcast that's going to be available on Sunday night where me and, and Kim do a deep dive on that particular subject and what it might mean for the show and theory crafting and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm also, that was such a surprise to me that they're going back and things that are, uh, that they're bringing up in this series are already impacting our understanding of the Daenerys, uh, kind of a timeline that I wonder how much more of yeah. that there's going to come, uh, because on one hand, it's, it's it's smart to make those connections to a popular show, but also, do you want to build those connections to a popular but ultimately flawed show that kind of ended in disgrace? Like, how much do you sure. do you want this to stand on its own two legs, or do you want it to kind of like, uh, you know, not not you know like like have to rely on people's interest in the you know the Song of Ice and Fire in a whole and where the White Walkers end up and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, I'm curious to see how much the the sentiment that came out of the end of game of thrones affects the the overall tone of the discourse on this show um because i know the people who were saltiest about the ending and i was pretty fucking salty i i had invested sure. eight, nine, ten years in that show uh for it to end as poorly as it did piss me off uh especially for the reasons that it ended that way um mm-hmm. the the 
people who were big uh, Song of Ice and Fire fans were the most vociferous with their dislike for what happened at the end of that show. I feel like they're coming into this one being the most vociferous about like, are we really going to fucking watch another one of these when we know Mm -hmm. how it ended last time? I think if they don't, if they change too much uh, from the, the fire and ice or fire and blood book, Mm -hmm. those people are going to jump all over any changes and start spinning it negatively. Right. I think that there's, there's a worry here that the discourse is going to turn negative immediately, no matter how good the show is, if it mm-hmm. changes too much from what they expect of the history. So, and, and you know, that can spin out of control on the internet. You can get a, a popular sure. sentiment and then it becomes fashionable to just shit on a show for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, but- and I'm hoping that won't happen because I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed like, 70 to 80 percent of my time with game of thrones like some sure. of the best television i've ever seen mm-hmm. and if this show can do even that i will think it's worthwhile and hopefully stick the landing a little better but yeah we'll and see. as a fantasy fan uh you know we're not just doing house of dragon we're also doing rings of power it's the big uh that's the other thing we haven't really talked about like uh prime video and hbo max are kind of like heavy in a, engaged in a heavyweight fight yeah, uh, this for for fantasy supremacy, and I really want both of these franchises to do well because like I'm I've always been a big sci-fi nerd and a big fantasy nerd, and both of these falling on their face, I think, would have a pretty disastrous effect for fantasy in Hollywood. You know, like, oh yeah, at least high budget, high concept stuff like this. So I, I hope sure. they really, I hope they really both do well. And and again, I have I've only seen the first episode. I have. I've always thought the material, the underlying material, like if you're reading Fire and Blood, there are some set pieces involving men and swords and uh, dragons and just thrilling sequences and just all these jaw dropping set pieces. But my thing in the book was like, well, why do I care? Yeah. Well, I think the first episode gave me a long went a long way into saying, well, there's the reasons to care. These are why you like don't like these people. And I think it's just going to. I think it's just it's I hope it just continues to get better. Um, That said, we always do honest coverage here. I'm not going to shade my opinion. If I think the show sucks, I'm going to let you know. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, that's just how we operate here. So I don't know if you're looking just for sugarcoating on your what becomes your favorite show. Well, hmm, we'll see. See how it goes. But uh, I like I said, I I expect. I, there's there's a huge optimism and it reflects like we just been yeah, yeah. turning internal polling and bald move like something like 90% of our audience is uh, curious to excited mm-hmm. where and less than 10% are like neutral to uh, actively hating the idea. I think taking I'm, I'm glad that they did. I thought it was it was kind of weird that they had this hurry up. Oh, we're going to do the long night and we're going to go back 3000 years into the beginning of the wall. We got Naomi Watson and it's, it's going to happen the year after that all seemed premature. And I'm glad in retrospect it was canceled because having these yeah. three years going through the pin, like it feels like a completely different world. And now people are ready to fall in love with the game of Thrones property. Again, I think if they trotted and, something that was rushed out a year afterwards, it would be yeah. a tough sell, but this just looks very quality. And I think the familiarity with the setting, uh, the locations, the, the, Yes. General structure of the world is going to be a positive for the show. I think that's going to help ease people into this. Whereas you go back a thousand years or more and things really change, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. And that'd be harder to get people into. So I'm excited that it's this show that made it through the gauntlet. Uh, and I'm excited that it looks as good as it does based on the trailer and based on your opinion of the first episode. Uh, I'm just generally excited for it. I'm excited to be back into the game of Thrones world and covering this, this stuff. Yeah, me too. A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I'm also excited by the fact because I, I did think it's like, ah, you know, I, I hear that like Game of Thrones, they, they want like five or six seasons. There's been rumblings that maybe that they this will become a anthology because there's tons of interesting Targaryen stories that like they might do a season or two or two, two or three seasons of the Dance of Dragons, hmm. wrap that up rather than stretch it out and then do like Dunkin' Egg stuff. Uh, or maybe do, uh, you know, there's a couple of different Targaryen. I think there's two different types. Uh, there's the Blackfire Rebellion that would be very interesting and would d- tie directly into the modern era Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things that they can play around in this this 300 year history where the houses are relatively stable, the seats of power are relatively stable. It's just the cast kind of changes, but it's always the Game of Thrones uh, as the backdrop. Yeah. Um, that's got me excited too because I was kind of wondering how the hell they would get five to six seasons out of this thing. But if they're doing two or three, and then you know, seeing the Fire and Blood become or House of the Dragon becomes a Targaryen dynastic. Uh, you know, anthology. I think that could be cool too, but that's, that that's way down the line. We got to yeah, see yeah. where this thing, sh- where this thing shakes up in the first season. That's the other thing I'm intensely curious about. What point in the dance of dragons will we, I've got three or four in yeah. mind that I think by its placement and its epicness that they could end. Um, but uh, I, yeah, man, I can't be boy. There's so much more I could say about the first episode that, gives you but i can't i can't talk about it yeah i know i know for me having not seen the first episode i'm excited to find out where in the story they pick up because what are you gonna do with patty constantly right like as as viserys he seems like you hire a big actor for that role i feel like i want to use him but i there are question marks around that let's say um he's uh anything yeah, I know. It's super interesting. And like, I will say that it was a huge, the structure of the show in the first episode is a huge surprise. It was completely different than what I thought they were going to huh. do. Okay. Uh, in, in an entirely positive way. So, okay. uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We got, we got 10 episodes. We're going to be spinning in this world. We're going to be yeah. doing three podcasts a week, at least, uh, maybe more. And we're going to be going head to head with rings of power. What, what a time to be a fantasy fan. <laughs> Yeah, we'll find out in five days how this goes. I'm, like I said, I'm excited. Do you have thoughts on House of the Dragon? Send them in to hotd at baldmove.com. Again, if you want to get in on the ground floor of our instant takes and our instant talks, our live after show every Sunday during the reign of the House of the Dragon, go to support.baldmove.com. Get your account already set up so you don't miss the first five or ten minutes of the show this weekend. And that's when we're going to see you next this Sunday, nine o'clock Eastern is when the house of the dragon premieres for everybody. Can't wait for you to see it. And then just a few minutes after that airing will be live. You can go to baldmove.com or patreon.com slash baldmove, uh, depending on what type of club member you are and uh, get access to those shows. So yeah, we, we, we've got a pretty rowdy crew of Westworld veterans that I, you know, our, our, our HBO fans. I think we're going to build on that coming right into uh, mm-hmm. House of the Dragon. So hot D at baldmove.com to get those long form takes. And can't wait to watch this with you guys uh, this weekend. And that's it. 
We'll see you. We'll see you in just a few days. Until then, I'm Aaron, and I'm Jim. Later. Later.